Welcome, everyone, to the .NET MAUI podcast. We're here to keep you up to date with the latest and greatest in .NET client development. We'll talk about some Azure, some Visual Studio, some Blazor, and guess what, David and James? We're going to talk about some .NET MAUI. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing, Matt. Indeed. So, I'm Matt Sokup. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm David Ortnow. I totally forgot that that you had more to your spiel, Matt. I, I don't, We've yeah, only yeah. done I 800. Changed <laughs> <laughs> I changed it up a little bit. Yeah. But and you've thrown him off his game. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's my fault. You know, we were just talking before the podcast. I just get so excited because I act actively. Now, we'll probably have to announce this next podcast, but I've actively been creating, I'm going to say the world's first. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the world's first .NET MAUI workshop until someone finishes it before me. But uh, I, I I had this very infamous Xamarin Forms workshop for a very long time. I taught it a lot of things. David helped me with it. And we did it at Ignite. We did it at a bunch of places. And mm-hmm. I've been moving this over to .NET MAUI, which has been a super fun prog- pro- process to not only um, – see how easy the code can migrate over, but to take advantage of a lot of the new features and infrastructure and a lot of the cool dependency injection and just a lot of cool new .NET 6 and C-sharp language features. And uh, it's been a blast. So I've been enjoying that. I'm almost done. I'm, I'm presenting it at Dev Intersection soon. So I better get it done by then. So my goal is by end of month. <laughs> so it better be done. Uh, and I'm adding a new yeah. section on app theming. So that's exciting. Uh, so you, you are actually not the first, but I'm sure that you'll be the first to, to do it super duper well. Now we had, uh, we had somebody in the community, uh, tweet about doing a like multi-day thing for a customer. And, uh, I, you know, so we sat down and, and had a, uh, a Skype, not a Skype. What do we call these things? Teams calls these days. Teams. We had a team's call and uh, he walked us through kind of what uh, his content was and how it was received, what went well. And uh, thankfully, it, it all seemed to go really well. So, nice. uh, but that was actually quite a while ago and you have even more to talk about. Um, I think these things are, it's a blast to put together. Like we have a blog post for the new preview 14 of .NET MAUI. And it's always fun for me because then I get to get into the code and learn something. Um, you know, we, we add new features like menu bar, um, for desktop applications. And I'm like, Oh sweet. What does this thing do? And, uh, you get to learn all kinds of new stuff that wasn't there when you did the old Xamarin forms, uh, workshop. That's true. Yeah, it's been really excited to go through it all. Well, world second, then I will say I won't take it'll probably like the world 18th by the time it actually comes out. But <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be excited because I, I really, you know, I think the workshops this is a single day workshop. So I think it's exciting to be able to go through it all. But yeah, David, PV14, it's out. It's happening. Menu bar. It's what out. the heck is that? What is that? What is it? Yeah. I'm ready. So, uh, so when you have a desktop application, um, and if you're into UWP, uh, you actually had a menu bar control. And so you could put it, uh, in your application and, and scaffold out the, the different menu items you want. You know, desktop applications traditionally have this at the top, um, of course, I'm looking at Teams right now, and all of the uh, all of the menuing, so to speak, is on the left hand side in a sidebar, and that's become very common for modern application design as well. But then you open up something like Outlook, and you've got a ribbon, you've got traditional menus at the top, 
Um, and then you've got a left-hand sidebar as well. So it's like you get this mixture of UX paradigms um, uh, and patterns for how you do these things. But the menu bar essentially is that uh, kind of a tree view popover uh, that does the file edit view, et cetera, et cetera. And it can be whatever you want, and you can uh, do data binding to it. You can put commands on it. You can, uh, I hope, generate it at runtime because that's what I need to do. Um, so I added it to my weather app and, uh, I have a locations menu where you can, uh, select which location you want to be seeing the weather for. And then you can also add locations, um, in the weather app. And of course, once you've added a location, the menu should update. We'll see if I, if I actually get that working. That's a future enhancement that I'll be doing. So, uh, this runs on, on Mac and windows. I don't believe it does anything on mobile. I believe it's ignored on mobile um, because the pattern there is that you'll use toolbar items, um, which uh, this is actually written very similarly to that. So if you're used to doing uh, toolbar items for Android and iOS, uh, the menu bar APIs will be very similar. Um, and uh, But Preview 14 has so much more than that. Uh, tons of uh, issues are closed in this one. I mean, the, the team went on a spree closing and merging PRs. Um, so collection view and carousel view are pretty much implemented in this version, ready for uh, your thorough review and filing issues against them. Um, something uh, near and dear to James's heart, essentials. So not 100% coverage yet, uh, in preview 14, there were a few PRs that didn't get merged before the release, but everything has got interfaces now. They're all interface, fully testable, um, and they've all been updated uh, and touched. So this is very exciting. Poor, poor Ryan Davis and his essentials interfaces nougat package is going to lose lose followers, but that's okay. I'm sure Ryan's happy about it. Yeah, totally. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, I did notice that something was happening there. Uh, I thought, I think I was inside the source code. Now that is really cool because you can now use the built-in dependency injection services, which I've been talking about nonstop in this workshop. I now need to go update this workshop to use these new interfaces, uh, which is something that that I think is really nice as it injects it in. And we talked previously on Preview 13 that, uh, you know, the essential stuff is all scaffolded and all handled for you automatically. If you remember back in the Xamarin Forms days, if you when you create a new project, there's a bunch of code, right? And that you'd have to have for permissions and different setups. Mm-hmm. And that's all handled for you. And there's this really nice extension method on the app builder that just says configure essentials and you can pass in stuff like if you needed to set keys and stuff. But this is cool because it's just all in there. Now, do I need to do anything to use these interface? Do I need to say like, add IMAP or add I whatever. No, it's just there. And it's just, it's yeah, just there. I'm pretty sure it's just there. Amazing. Unless you're leading me to an answer you already know, but no, I, no it's, I believe it's all just there. It all just works. Um, uh, you, gosh, you were saying something. Oh yeah. I remember when you would add, uh, back in the day when you would add the Xamarin essentials, nougat package to your project, it would, you know, pop up the readme with mm-hmm. all the code. You then had to go copy into your project oh, yeah. once upon a time. So yeah, that's all, that's all thing of the past. It's a whole lot easier to do this. Um, and something that I think was also in preview 13, um, but we did some additional work here in 14 around it. You can now use that same constructor injection, um, for your, your DI with, uh, shell 
content pages. So in your shell content page, you can, uh, you know, throw your view model in there or your services or whatever is needed on that content page. Um, and it will be provided. The only change I think here is that you do need to register both the content page and the view model with the DI container service um, so that it's aware of both of them. Uh, that was not the case initially. And there is an upstream uh, work item to potentially uh, reduce that back down to just the view model or the service, whatever you're injecting. Um, <clears throat> uh, there are only 11 properties left to be implemented on all of the controls. That's super exciting. That's, you know, the bulk was like, when we were at our, our, our highest number, it was close to a thousand probably. I don't know. Wow. Um, so only 11, 11 left. Uh, so within the next two weeks, we'll get those PRs merged and uh, we'll be at feature complete. So that's super exciting because then we can turn our full focus and attention to uh, closing out bugs and uh, making this thing a really nice solid release for our May GA target. Um, so the next release ought to be a release candidate. I don't see anything blocking us from doing that, um, because feature complete and API complete is what we're looking for. Um, and then we'll, we'll turn our focus to quality and, uh, we're getting tons of, uh, contributors from across other teams within .NET and Visual Studio, um, as well as the community. A lot of those interfaces, uh, for the essentials work came from the community. Um, so that was pretty fun. Uh, so glad to see that uh, the community is able to get up and running with us and contributing to the project as well, because one of the, one of the key goals with the transition of our architecture in .NET MAUI from Xamarin was to make it more contributor friendly. Um, not to say that, uh, we've, we've done that perfectly, but I think it's a, it's a whole lot easier now to get involved than it was, uh, back in the Xamarin days. That's perfect. And now all people need to do is get Visual Studio 17, Visual Studio 2022 17.2 Preview 2, correct? Yep. Yeah, okay. exactly. So we're still riding the preview channel. So as long as uh, you stick with the preview channel for the next several releases, um, then you will be getting the right versions of MAUI. Um, I did get a question just this morning. Uh, I can't remember. Uh Hey, should I use Maui Check? Are we still using Maui Check? Is anybody updating Maui Check? Mm. So uh, Maui Check uh, is and was a .NET CLI tool that uh, Jonathan Dick, our lead engineer, put out to help developers get their environments set up. Um, but really, we recommend using Visual Studio at this time. Um, if you're on a Mac, we have some instructions for how you can get your Mac set up uh, from the command line using the .NET workload installers. Um, very soon, we'll have some uh, some VS Mac, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about VS Mac here in a sec. Um, but uh, don't use Maui Check unless you really, 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 really know what you're doing. You're probably not going to get yourself into a bad state, but you know we just need to focus on doing one thing super well, and in this case, that's Visual Studio. Nice. Makes sense to me. That's what I've been rocking after a deep, deep cleanse of, of all the previous previews and stuff like that. And it's been smooth sailing up to this point, but yeah, talking about Mac, um, you mm -hmm. know, as we, as we probably talked, there's a new preview out, but you know, we're, there's always new previews coming. So preview six came out in February. I'm assuming preview seven, I don't actually have the news. So I'm assuming it's out already. Maybe it's coming. I don't know. But all I know is that 
there's been more and more work towards the native macOS UI um, running on top of the .NET 6 CLR, which is very exciting with native ARM support as well. Um, that was announced in Preview 5 in January, which is really cool. Um, and they're, they're, they're finalizing the, the native UI for, for it in general. And um, Jordan gave a nice update about Xamarin and .NET MAUI. Uh, they're making a lot of progress towards this. And they said nearly all of the Xamarin features have been migrated to VS 2022, which is a large undertaking as there was a lot of rewriting there. Uh, and that they are getting a lot of questions about .NET MAUI. That's for sure. Um, and their plan has always been to finish the Xamarin support. So finish what's currently supported today that developers are GA on and then shift focus towards making the .NET MAUI experience fantastical. And of course, things that are already built into Xamarin, like the XAML Hot Reload, the Live Visual mm-hmm. Tree, those will just sort of come over to .NET MAUI uh, as well. Same thing with, you know, they got to work on the multi-targeting and the C-sharp stuff, but they said, keep up to date on the latest blogs. Um, and we'll put the blog to this one. But if you go to devblogs.microsoft.com, you'll find all this stuff there. So you'll find the, oh, they literally just put out the preview seven as I literally go on there. <laughs> so it's it's there, it's available. Um, there's a whole bunch of new things in there. I'm just reading it for the first time. We're, fi- we're figuring it out as we go, people. Wow, preview seven available right as I speak these words. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they've ported the last of the pre- preference screens, which is amazing. New code formatting, um, Azure Function support. Xamarin Mobile Tooling is back and ready for feedback. It's done. It's finalized. Look at that. It's out there. <laughs> ready for feedback. <laughs> yeah, it's ready for That's feedback. An inter- interesting phrase. <laughs> ready for the feedback. I want feedback. to know what Jordan really means by, by ready for feedback. Jordan, what do you mean? I don't know. Um, anyways, they're, now they're going to shift focus towards uh, Don and Maui, so we'll see how it goes. There you go. Boom. <laughs> Yeah, it's and it's um, it's the same uh, VS team that's working on obviously the Xamarin and the Maui stuff because it's all very similar add-in to the product. Um, so we we get a lot of uh, bang for the buck by having the same code shared and uh, looking forward to definitely the Maui things light up. But we have so many customers and projects uh, for Xamarin and people working on the Mac that we need to make sure the Xamarin stuff works really, really well. Um, because we will support Xamarin for uh, quite a while yet, um, at least through November of 2023. Um, we'll see if we need to extend that out. Um, but Xamarin's going to be around and productive for quite a while. So don't don't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. And all your stuff will migrate nice and clean to .NET 6 and .NET 7. Of course, nice and clean doesn't mean you don't have work. <laughs> we all have we all have work to do. Nothing's free, but uh, but you know, it's all going to be worth it. You get you get to use all the .NET Hot Reload stuff, all the XAML Hot Reload, the Live Visual Tree, the Live Preview. It's awesome. The future's bright. I'm in. I'm in. There's a lot of other things happening in the world of .NET. It sure is. Hey, I just wanted to let you guys know that the Visual Studio Mac team has a monthly newsletter. Do you guys know about this? No. I didn't, but I'll put a link to it in the notes. <laughs> well, I didn't until I found out about it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, totally do it. And you guys can then ask Jordan himself what he means by <laughs> feedback. So I know, David, you'll be right on top of that. But no, it's totally cool. You can get a monthly update of what's going on with VS Mac straight from the team and interact with them too. Um, so GitHub Actions, let's get to it there. So 
Get up actions. It's David Pine has an article out about it and it's geared towards the .NET developer, which I always like to see because GitHub Actions, when you when you think about it, it's a CI C D system for GitHub. And how is that different than Azure DevOps pipelines for Azure DevOps <laughs> systems? Well, it's kind of the same idea behind it, right? But it's different. And that's how David kind of goes through it. He goes through and tells us like all the different terminologies for it. You know, GitHub Actions actually is the platform. You're building a workflow for it, which is kind of like your DevOps pipeline. And then you have different events and different triggers that happen on it. And the best thing is, is he builds up a GitHub workflow for .NET. So it's like an intro to GitHub Actions for the .NET developer, which when I was learning about GitHub Actions, I needed. Explains it for .NET people, and um, which is really priceless. And it's a great article. It, it, um, he has a whole file in here of a, a, a YAML file, workflow file, and there it kind of leads you through step-by-step step of uh, setting up a .NET GitHub Action. And so, James, for your projects, do you use GitHub Actions to uh, CICD your stuff? Yeah, quite a lot of things. Right now, I, for a lot of my existing libraries, I still have them in Azure um, uh, DevOps, which is great, right? And I have different files there. Um, for the .NET podcast application that we've talked about before, those are all um, running in GitHub Actions. And we're actually working to add... Uh, GitHub Actions builds and deployments for the .NET MAUI applications too. Right now it deploys the website, the backend services, and you can easily um, build libraries uh, and apps for .NET MAUI because it's all like kind of command line stuff. And what I do already on Azure DevOps, which I can also do now on GitHub Actions, is you just run .NET uh, work in, workload install, whatever it is, MAUI. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's mm-hmm. it. Uh, and, and that's a command line. Then it installs it. So it, it'll install .NET, uh, .NET 6. You install the MAUI workload and bingo, bango. You got all the stuff that you need. And those, uh, you know, those system images basically have all of the other stuff that you need. So the Android, the Java, is all it's all on there. You just need to tell it, hey, install this, you know, configuration on there, which is really cool. So uh, I think our good friend Gerald on the team has a bunch of YouTube videos on how he set up his uh, Maui apps to be built with GitHub Actions. And that stuff will all be documented and all super good. So I'm really excited about that. But there's a lot of cool things that you can do too. So for example, I like this blog because he not only talks about like using like code QL for security vulnerability, we use, um, we had a let's learn.net on getting GitHub and um, John Galloway on my team, he set up a JSON um, can validator, basically, because we have a bunch of <clears throat> JSON verification stuff, and sometimes we can mess it up. So he just added a GitHub action that was like, hey, validate my JSON in this folder. So if everyone's doing uh, pull requests, <laughs> it'll just boom. And it was like one click, and it just configured it, and it was done. So it was really, really neat. Uh, I, I love it. So it was really cool. Yeah, you can do like yeah various status checks if you're reviewing PRs to make sure like the project actually builds or validate the JSON before you go in. Yeah, David goes through and shows us that in there. And you can actually install the .NET workloads to run your GitHub action as, as you're getting to, James. Like it's .NET workload install, just like you were sitting at the at the um, terminal. Mm-hmm. But you do that up in GitHub. Yeah. And a long time before, when I first started talking about this, I was talking about Azure DevOps. 
if you're in Azure DevOps ecosystem, you can still use that. And that's what I wanted to get across. There's no reason not to use Azure DevOps at all. If that's yeah. what you if that's what you're comfortable in, go ahead and use that. But if you want to explore GitHub Actions and you have a GitHub repo, that's there for you to explore too. And this article is a great way to get into it. Yeah. So major differences, right? Is like GitHub Actions, your code's in GitHub. Azure DevOps, your code can be anywhere, basically. And they all run, they all have YAML files and you can do infrastructure as code and all that stuff. And it just depends. There's a lot of similarities there. The, the YAML is a little bit different. The actions mm-hmm. are different, but mm-hmm. um, in general, the concepts are the same. I do like some of the stuff that, um, that Azure DevOps has uh, in there because uh, you can do like gates basically. So you can be like, Oh, I had someone needs to approve stuff and do stuff, but GitHub just added support for mermaid files. You know about mermaid files? Inform me, James. I, I know that it's brand new from GitHub, right? <laughs> So yes. give me some more information on that. So Mermaid is like an open standard for Markdown that enables you to draw diagrams. Mm. Okay. And this is cool. I'll put a link. We'll put a link to the GitHub blog because it's very nice. The very nice blog page that they have here. And pretty much what it does is like you create a, it, it just if you were doing like a code block, like tick, 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 C sharp, you do tick, 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 Mermaid. And then you have some special, mermaid syntax that's in the in, in the markdown file and you can be like graph and then it'll make specific graphs and diagrams and pipelines and things like that and this is cool um to automatically do this and in fact in another blog post from mr david pine he talks about how you can do not only code metrics but also visualize workloads with mermaid files and create you know, class diagrams and a bunch of other stuff. So a bunch of cool stuff in there. But imagine if you, you know, want to generate stuff on demand, you can, you can generate mermaid, but also just put mermaid in there to help describe the the process um, inside of your markdown file, which is really cool. Yeah, that's super neat. Yeah, I'm just looking through this blog post that will include from GitHub on there. will include David's too, how to actually generate these. And say, I just do like mermaid graph and like, let's say you want to have a flow chart. Mm-hmm. You just do node A, arrow to B, and it makes that flowchart A to B for you, like two little um, boxes on the screen. Yeah, that's really neat. And then, yeah, David goes through and shows you how to do it with GitHub Actions, with your .NET project. Perfect for us .NET developers listening to the (laughs) .NET Maui podcast. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. And you know what else is out for us .NET MAUI developers or what? .NET developers in general is C Sharp 11 Preview. Get a sneak peek at it. It's, I don't, I mean, C Sharp 10 is just out. I don't even have a full <laughs> grasp of all that. And now C Sharp 11 is out. I mean, come on. Everybody's innovating too fast. Have Have you, uh, either of you noticed uh, a new C Sharp 11 feature that you're going to look into if you have time? <sighs> Um, you know what? There was a big, uh, what's the best word to say? Discussion on mm. Twitter about one. It's the, uh, what I'm calling the double bang. Bang, yeah, bang, bang. new operator, right? Yeah. Where it's, uh, it's to uh, null check for parameters to make sure they're not null mm. in the function definition. Mm. So you would do, you know, function name, string. And I think it's, is it bang, bang right after the string or bang, bang after the parameter name? Parameter name. Right after the parameter name. So string, David name, bang, bang. And then Mm -hmm. it automatically generates the null check for you after that. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I love it. So Yeah. So, but there was, 
people didn't like it. And there was a, a, quite a bit of back and forth when uh, a couple of weeks ago about it. Um, I don't know. You could put it in a constructor. I mean, it executes before any of your code would execute in that method, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing in constructors. You can put it into a lambdas as well. Um, why not? I I, mean, I like it. I mean, it, but I, I guess it's kind of terse, right? So maybe if you don't know it, but I don't know. I'm all for it. Yeah, I so. think it. It saves you, you know, a few lines of code, which I think is nice. And it's optional, right? If you don't want to use it, you don't have to. But right. it, if you're checking against null, then boom, it's going to check against null. I'm kind of excited. It's a weird one. But uh, Kathleen opens up with it in here. Is well, one that you can use this in your existing .NET 6 apps. You don't, it doesn't have to be .NET 7. Because, you know, you can use any version of C Sharp with any, any you can use it in .NET mm-hmm. Framework apps, it, it doesn't matter because you just need to go into your CS proj and set the Lang version, right? These things, now, 90% of the things are compile time things. Some things are built, like C-sharp features are in the specific runtime, but like if they're compile time things with Roslyn, as long as you have the latest version of Roslyn and Visual Studio and, and the .NET installed, you can still use it. Like I booted up, um, a .NET framework app. And I just said, yeah, use C sharp 11. And it just did it. Right. So you flip on preview here. This one's cool. Is this allow new lines in the holes of interpolated strings? This is really interesting. Um, because I don't know why that's in the holes of it, but think of it this way, right? Let's say you're like having an interpolated string where it was like count is, and then you put, you know, count, but imagine if it was like something really long and you needed to, do a new line in there, right? And let's say you're doing like link queries. So ideally you'd have like this dot, blah, blah, blah. And then you new line dot, new line dot, new line dot. You couldn't do that today. It has to be all in one line. It can be really, really long. Now, if you're inside of that little squiggle for the interpolated string, you can just add a new line and it just ignores it. And it just kind of works magically. I don't know. Mm. That's really neat to me in general. So, um, just a small little thing where like, oh, this should, it should be smart enough to figure out what I'm trying to do. And then it does it. CSRP 11, go get it. Last thing I want to talk about in the news for .NET developers and specifically for .NET Maui developers is this thing that the NuGet team put out. I don't know if you've heard of a website called NuGet.org. Um, <laughs> it is a website in which it has all the packages for .NET. And they've been working on stuff over there at the team. Uh, and when you go over to nougat.org and let's say you search for a package, I'll just say Xamarin forms, for example, because why not? Uh, when you tap on that puppy, a few things will, will happen. It will, it will actually tell you like what the, the right away, what the package is compatible with and higher. So it says .NET standard one Oh, so you could just see that right away, which is really cool. But if you actually tap on this new frameworks tab, this is crazy. This is what I've always wanted is it, it 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 inspects the metadata, right? And and Frank's Frank Kruger's Fugit did this as well. But it inspects the, the 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 info in there, and it gives you this big grid of like all the possibility of the target framework monikers TFMs we call them. And when you when you tap on the the Xamarin forms, it'll say, hey. This is has .NET Standard 1.0, 2.0, Mono Android 10, Tizen, uh, UAP, Xamarin iOS 10, Xamarin Mac. This is what's in there. And you can just immediately see it right away. So you don't have to like open it in NuGet Package Manager, explore and do a thing and do this other thing. It's all right there, which is pretty neat in my personal opinion. 
Yeah, I've been I've been using this quite a bit myself uh, as I've been looking at the more popular uh, nougat packages that are used in Xamarin, and mm. you know, I want to make sure you know are are these going to be compatible with .NET six and .NET MAUI, um, or do we need to you know make some recommendations around these particular libraries? And um, you know, typically uh, the rules of resolution. You know, for example, the Xamarin Forms library, it's .NET Standard 1, .NET Standard 2, but then it also has these Xamarin iOS 10, Xamarin Mac, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's like, well, which one's going to win when uh, it's brought into a project? Is it going to acknowledge the .NET Standard 2 or is it going to um, fall back to the Xamarin iOS 10? And what's that going to mean for compatibility with .NET 6? Um so working through all of that stuff and trying to figure it out and make sure that we know uh, what to recommend to people, this chart right here becomes super, super useful. Um, and then being able to see the dependencies, because this is another thing that once you start to see the different libraries that are dependencies for the library you're working on, they may have different requirements. Um you know, maybe they're not .NET standard. Maybe they're just Xamarin iOS. And then that becomes interesting. <laughs> and boy, if you go look at an Android package for one of the Android support libraries, you'll get a very deep nesting of dependencies. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm super glad that they have this on here. Um, I did notice on um, a different package management website that it has a download by week trending graph which I think would be sweet, Mr. John Douglas, to add to the nougat.org pages. I would love to see that. Because it's nice to see, you know, okay, yeah, Xamarin Forms has been downloaded 34.2 million times. Whoop-dee-doo. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I want to I see the week-over-week -week numbers, man. I want to see the trend. Put in the put in the feature request. I'm ready. I just did. I just okay, did. I just, it just happened. Okay, good. <laughs> You say I was listening. Do it. Well, I'll upvote it. I'm upvoting it right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Done. Matt, where's your vote? Um, I'll get to it, David. I have to think <laughs> it over whether it's worth it or not. I mean, oh, really? when, you, when you think about it, I mean, how many of those downloads are just restores of the same project? Oh, spoken like a true cynic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm totally for it, though. Xamarin Forms is the best package out there until .NET Maui is ga until so there you Does go. it even have a package? Is there a package, David? So it is on NuGet, but it's a, a workload package. It's not a NuGet library package, so oh. it's, it's it's different. So that's another thing that we uh, that I know has been discussed um, is how should those different types of packages be surfaced, if at all, on NuGet.org? Mm. Um, yeah. So it's not it's not the same NuGet package that you're used to but it is actually hosted in the same infrastructure. Interesting. Yeah. All will become more clear as things roll out. <laughs> cool. So how about some Azure news? And I'll, I'll double this one up for Azure Service of the Month because you both know how I like to do that. Here we go. Azure news. <laughs> so, um, so this one is called, I thought originally when I was thinking about this was just app service, right? But this is app service environments. And so there's a difference here between the two of them. So they both host web apps, 
right? So you have your regular app service where you deploy a web app, web app on or a web API on. But the difference between an app service environment and an app service is that the app service environment is going to be fully isolated. So like um, if you have to run anything for compliance, generally that's what you're going to want to do is that you're going to want to have it fully isolated. So like you're a big company or you have like any special, like possibly like a government agency or something like that. And you just don't want anybody else on your sharing your stuff. So you can be fully data isolated app service environment is what you want to go with. Now I'm bringing this up in the Azure news, even though it's kind of an isolated type of deal, like it's not going to be applied for everybody. V3 is out which is brand new. And it brings up a couple of interesting things here. One, pricing got a lot better. Um, that's always great. Two, they let you now deploy. Now, this is really neat because this is Azure and the cloud, right? And the cloud's always about sharing stuff. You can now deploy on your own hardware with this app service environment, which is actually, you know, like, wow, you know, like because you're actually now pretty much renting your own hard drive in the cloud. Um, so with app service environment V3, you can do that. It's going to be able to scale out quicker. And now to kind of give everybody an idea of how this works, then you create this app service environment or ACE thing. And then when you deploy your apps on it, normally how you pick like West us or East, East um, Asia for your regions, when you deploy a web app, you in the region is going to be your app service environment. So it's like completely isolated. It's just you on that. It's like your own Azure region at that point. So just kind of give a idea of how that works. So yeah, this whole ACE idea, app service environment was pretty neat to me when I heard about it. Version three pricing is better. You could, if you wanted to go your own hardware to it. Um, yeah. Gonna deploy faster too, or scale faster as well. Zone redundancy within the same Azure regions, everything hmm. you would ever want for your own isolated app, web apps. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Nice. So yeah, how about we hit up the pick of the pods? Pick of the pods. Are we just going straight to the pick of the pods? Yeah, let's go straight to the pick of the pods. All right. Pick of the pod.net community toolkit. This is different than the .net Maui community toolkit. Uh, this is in the same community toolkit GitHub organization. But this is really cool because Sergio from the Windows App Store app team is kind of like working on this with the community, the main PM on it or main engineer on, it, I should say, and PMing it too. But um, basically this came about a long time ago as a Windows community toolkit. And there was an, a few packages in there like MVVM and performance and diagnostics. And what they did is in the latest version 8.0 preview, which is currently out, preview two or preview three is out, they they restructured it all. And they said, hey, this isn't really a Windows community toolkit thing that's required. This is really can be used anywhere in any .NET application. So we're going to create a Windows community toolkit, a .NET MAUI community toolkit, a WPF community toolkit, and just a .NET community toolkit that can be used everywhere. And this has three packages today. One is diagnostics, performance, and I have Sergio coming on the on.net show in a few weeks to go through them all. But my favorite is the MVVM library because it is mind-boggling amazing. And we'll link to the blog that they put out. They put it on the if, if def blog, but they're going to be moving over to the .NET blog, which is very exciting. Um, 
but Sergio put out this blog uh, and it blew my mind because he had this section called MVVM Toolkit Source Generators. And I was like, who was this? Because I love source generators. And I did a video on it on my YouTubes, which we'll put a link to as well. And what it enables you to do is delete all your code. And it just writes all the code for you via magical source generators that are done even before compilation. They're all just there as soon as you write it. So for example, if you had a, a first name and a last name, um, you, you would have a backing field and a setter and you would set a property and you'd on property notify and you do these other things. You can just put an attribute on a private string first name of observable property and it generates and scaffolds high performance optimized code for you automatically. And it does this for properties. It does it for commands. You can do just about anything with it. It's amazing. And it works on all .NET versions, which is really, 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 really cool. And this is different than there's some libraries out there that do this, but they do like IL weaving, which is a little bit different than this. And this is actually just source generators that are also like text and, and other system text JSON and other things have source generators too, which are, I think are going to be the future soon. I'm really excited about it. But this thing is mind-boggling amazing. You'll never have to write an I command or a relay command or an async command or anything ever again. This library takes all of my library helpers and it throws them in the garbage and it says, just delete all the code that James used to tell you to write, shove it in here. And it's just unbelievably cool. So it's, it's the best thing since sliced bread. Is it going to be in your workshop, James? The first or 18th ever workshop? Yes. It's in. Right. I, I, I actually have everyone write the code and then delete all the code, which is great. <laughs> That's really emphasizing the point. All right. So speaking of not having to write any code, dev containers. Ooh. Yeah. Have you guys heard about dev containers? I What it is essentially is, is a way for you to run a project inside a container. So let's say, and I got into this because I screwed up somehow my .NET installation on my Mac. I could no longer run. I couldn't do .NET run mm. any longer. But what a dev container allows you to do, it gives you similar to a regular container, right, where you generally you just have a, a Docker container that runs an application. Well, a dev container will let you have development tooling then inside, well, a container, but then you can actually start developing within right in it, Ooh. right? So then I can like just say, hey, David, do you want to have all my Python and my NPM and my project here? Just clone it from GitHub, run it in. It has like a dev container JSON file, open it up in Docker, use the Visual Studio remote connection extension, away you go. You can debug, you can step through the code, uh, port forwarding, you can open up the website, everything. And it's so great. I, had, I was able to not have to try to on mess up my .NET installation of my Mac OS. I just use .NET and a dev container now, and it works. So laziness won out where I just learned about something new, and .NET still <laughs> screwed up on my Mac somehow. I don't know what I did. I have no idea, but... It's working in great in the dev container. So check cool. them all. Yeah. That's awesome. How about you, Dave? You got to pick of the pod? I do. Yeah. So I noticed this uh, on Twitter. That's where I get all of my news. <laughs> I'm sure it's all true. Um, but this one is true. We have added the pop-up control to the .NET MAUI community toolkit. So the, you just mentioned this, but uh, this is the other community toolkit. And I don't think I've ever uh, chosen this one before in my picks. But uh, 
the best part was is that when it uh, was tweeted by Gerald, of course, um, Brad B. Radmore um, says, wait, there are pop-ups in the XCT? I need to RTFM more. So there are so many great things in the community toolkit, um, whether it's converters, uh, behaviors, um, but also tons of great, uh, very useful views and uh, even some layouts. I was using, gosh, I don't even remember what it was called. It was like a uniform layout, I think is what it was called. Mm. And it will just essentially, however many children you put in it, it will just uniformly space them out in, in the, in the uh, page that you give it. So there's some great stuff in there. Uh, highly recommend folks take a look and uh, stop rewriting the same stuff that's already there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> if it doesn't exactly meet your needs, the team will work with you to get a PR where it needs to be and merge it. And then uh, at some point, that code may indeed find its way into .NET MAUI itself. Um, we actually did bring in, uh, oh gosh, what was that? It was one of uh, Brandon Minnick's uh, babies we brought into .NET MAUI. I can't remember off the top of my head, but the code will have a chance. It's like the tryouts for the bigs. No, I don't know. <laughs> it's not really. Um, it's a really good library, so check it out. Yeah, awesome. that pop-up control. Brandon and I were just talking about that yesterday. That's a big, big um, PR that they put in. It has like 157 commits to it. And then just the comments going back and forth, there's like 150 comments just discussing it. It's it was a big deal to uh well, yeah, because it's, it's all um, platform-specific implementations of things. Um, so you get the you know the right experience on each platform. Um, and it was a similar effort to get that into the Xamarin Community Toolkit. Um, so a lot of great work from many people to make that happen. That's awesome. That's so good. Nice. Well, we did it. We got through another podcast together now. David's going to go eat some dinner. Thanks, for everyone, for tuning in to the Down MI podcast. Um, <laughs> we did it. Give all the feedback to the team. We appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe. Share it with all your friends. Check out the uh, the .NET YouTube. We've got lots of stuff coming out every single week over there. All sorts of good stuff. .NET Maui community stand-ups on .NET recordings. whole bunch of good stuff. Check out the blog as well. But that's going to do it for this month's .NET Maui podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.